Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You know, life is in phases, but also change is not a straight line and learning and growing is not a straight line and skill development is not a straight line. All of these things that we think in our minds, okay, if I just do this and then this, this is a straight line, but it's actually not a straight line. It's stair steps all the time. And, you know, with teaching um, hundreds and hundreds of international baseball players, you know, I, I saw the frustration and the you know, just the fear and anxiety when, when they failed or when they didn't get to where they were wanting to be and and they didn't have a lot of time. They really didn't. Like with us, we do have time but and, and I've always never felt rushed. But in the world of professional baseball, they only have like four to six years to make it to the big leagues. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, mom, welcome back to the show. Hi, honey. It's so good to be back. Thanks for having me. It is so fun to have you back. I can't believe it's been over two years since you've been on the show. I was looking through some emails we got recently and we had multiple different requests. Like, can you have your mom on the show again? If anybody has not listened to that episode, I think it was like episode three or four. It was about hospitality and hosting family for the holidays. Mom dropped some great wisdom for that. So if you need any tips on hosting, if you have a new home or are hosting in-laws or anything like that, be sure to listen to one of the very first episodes from the show. You'll have to scroll back into the archives. But Anyways, mom, I'm so excited because this is a topic that I often will share little bits and pieces of with my community, whether it's here on the podcast or on social media or in my books or all of the above. And it's so funny because so much of it comes from you and conversations you and I have had. And so I was like, you know what? We should talk about this. We should actually let like the source, the true source of some of this wisdom uh, have have a stage here. So I want to dive into today a lot about how and how you and I talk about how life comes in phases and seasons and kind of removing the pressure to do everything by a certain age or a certain societal, you know, timeline. And I just think that's such an important conversation, especially for young women. But before we dig into all of that wisdom and advice you've given me, I would love if you can start with giving us a little overview of your background in terms of professional background, but also how that's been done in balance with family. Well, of course, of course. And I have to say, I think your audience are the sweetest. They are the sweetest people. I see the comments they post and I just think they are amazing. So um, I'm just so happy to them. Yeah, so nice. Just a quick background. You know, I was, um, I came into my career in the 80s. And for those of you, that probably sounds a long time ago, um, but the 80s was a time when women were just starting to be recognized more and more in the workplace. And 
Um, so I, I really didn't know a lot about that because, you know, as you know, my mom wasn't from this country. So I was kind of navigating that myself. In fact, I had to figure out how to shave my legs myself because that wasn't something that we did <laughs> in my mom's culture. But Cultural differences. Yes, yes, exactly. I had to, yeah. So anyway, when I was, you know, in college, that was the thing, you know, first of all, you go to college, then you go, you get a great job. That was kind of the mantra. And then you work, you know, your way up as far as you can. And then you, you know, you're successful being like you won the prize. I ended up doing those things, going to college and went into, didn't really know what I want to do in college. And that's your thing. I, I thought, I think it's very hard to know what you want to do when you're 18 years old. Yeah. I mean, so you do your best to kind of figure it out. You listen to people, but then you do it. And I, I chose a career in engineering because I got the advice that whatever I should do, it should be highly marketable. And at that time that, you know, there was industry was all over and it was growing manufacturing. So going into some kind of engineering was a big, important thing, especially because there weren't a lot of women in that. So I did that. I got a, a good job. But the minute I started into engineering, I, I realized I really didn't like it. It really wasn't me. So, but I did it. And I, you know, I, I was trying to, I thought, well, that's probably normal. I don't know. So I started doing it. And um, then I became a mom and I had you and Nick. And um, I really realized that I, I really didn't want to work um, that way. I wanted to really kind of be home. So I started changing and shifting gears and finding ways to try to stay home more. I did some little odd businesses here and there. Taught you have at a to tell them college. about the bottle gizmo. <laughs> I just have to interject uh, that. The short story. Okay. Well, I used my engineering degree to come up with a way to nerd. Well, first of all, I was nursing and then I moved to bottle feeding because then I was pregnant with Nick and we had to, I needed a free hand for different things. And we had a dog that had to come in and out. So long story short, I came up with a gizmo that would hold the bottle when I switched to bottle feed you know, or had to bottle feed. And I would, it would help me hold the bottle so that I had a free hand. Well, my brother-in-law, your uncle came over one day and said, Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, you should market that. So I said, oh, I know manufacturing and, and I think I could do that. So I did. I ended up making, you know, going, getting a little patent for it, having some local people sew it. And um, then all of a sudden I got a call from Target stores and they said, hey, we would love to carry your product. Can you make, you know, they had some crazy quantity. I mean, I was making maybe 50 a week and Were then they wanted them like, in like local boutiques and stuff. Is that yeah. how I found out about it? Okay. Yeah, I was putting in local boutiques and somebody had written in and said, we well, need to carry this, you need to carry this or something like that. So I ended up trying to figure out how to do that on a larger scale. And that was crazy, especially back then, because we didn't have the internet, remember? So um, I had to learn how to have, I, I ended up having them sewn in Thailand and uh, brought back in because the little group of ladies that I had that were sewing couldn't keep up, couldn't make them enough, you know, couldn't make them fast enough. Um, so then anyway, we that was kind of an adventure and ended up selling that because it got to be, they, when you work with Target stores or big box stores, they don't want just one product, they want more than one product. So I just knew that being a mom, I couldn't keep up with all that. And that was a tough decision because that was my first my first intersection of, do I do everything now? I mean, here's an opportunity to do it all now. Mm. I could have the kids and I could have this big business, but I realized that I couldn't do either one of those well. Mm. And for me, it was more about doing it well versus doing it all. And so I just said, nope, I cannot do this well or this well. I have to pick. And so I picked you guys. 
And then, you know, you guys got into school and um, I was asked to teach actually but funny because people knew about this, the bottle gizmo story because it actually got some publicity, even in the National Enquirer, which is very funny now. But um, I was asked to teach a local class on how to bring a business idea to fruition. So I became a little professor at night when dad came home from work. He would watch you guys. And like one night a week, I'd go for a couple hours and teach a class at our local community college. And I found out that I loved teaching, loved it. And that was really, truly my passion. Then when you, when you guys got into school, I um, decided to work with a local school system here and they needed somebody who could work with international people who didn't speak English, who could learn some, some, some technical stuff, science, math. Well, that was my background. So I was teaching technical English. And then the next thing that happened was a local baseball team came in town and said, oh, can you teach some foreign players how to speak English? And, you know, just a few hours in the summer. And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. I can do that. Again, very small amount of and things. Like, timeline wise, where were where we we were like in high school or almost yeah. in high school at that point? Yes. Right? Okay. That's at that point, you were. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so at that point, I just ended up started. You know, I started teaching, and um, I didn't travel because um, I was really kind of focused on the home. But I, I did a little bit here and there, but not much. And then as you both started getting older. I had more opportunities and with baseball world. And next thing I knew, I ended up being involved in it heavily and, and creating a system. And, and that really took off because it just happened to be a time when baseball needed such a system like that, an English baseball speaking system. And um, okay, let me let me just clarify this for everyone who's like, what do you mean baseball like people? No, guys, she was working in the MLB. OK, so she's uh, not going to brag on herself, but it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, she had MLB clients and was building a business within Major League Baseball. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was on um, accident. You didn't even really look at like that wasn't why you got into it. But no. I think that's important to note. And I'll circle back as to why I bring that up now. But keep going. Continue with the story. <laughs> Yeah, so basically one team found out about it and then they asked me if I could help their players and and then I, you know, so then I had to hire more teachers and then it became this huge system. I mean, it was but it was also at a point where I had to make this decision like did I parent well enough to where I can grab onto this other thing now? And I don't think any parent is going to say, "Oh, I'm the great parent." I mean, we all know we have flaws. We all know we could be better in certain areas. We all know we don't have it all together in every area. So to say I did everything well, now I could let it go and do this other thing well. No, I'm not saying that at all because I definitely made my, you know, mistakes. I guess what I'm saying is that I was feeling more comfortable enough that I could now start to branch off into another area and do it, do it to a point where I knew I didn't have to hit the ground running and be this like all-star boss lady. I knew I could learn as I went slowly make impact until I got to a place where I could make bigger impact. But at the same time, how was my family doing? And at that point, um, the two of you were off and running into your lives. And, and, and I was still able to, I don't think, and you could be the best testament to this. I don't think you really saw me go to work much. I mean, really, truthfully, I was pretty around, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think it was especially because at least for me, I was older, but you know, I think it really started to take off when I was graduating and going off to to school, to college. So 
you know, you were doing it and you were stewarding it and kind of pouring into it occasionally, you know, the first few years, but it didn't even take off the first year. It was a slow build, but we were older. So we were more independent and we were like, great. Yeah, you go do that. We're doing our own thing. We've got sports and friends and, you know, colleges mm-hmm. to apply to and all of those things that we were focused on. So it, it, I guess the way I see it is that from my lens, it kind of opened up some more capacity for you where we didn't have as much need of, you know, there wasn't, we weren't little to where we had as many needs. We were in our own lives. We were hanging out with our friends. We were playing sports. We were applying to school, going off to school. So it created this all of a sudden, this window of like open space and time for you that you, maybe you didn't have five to 10 years earlier. Exactly. And and when you were in school, I was working. And when you didn't see me do things, that's when I was working. And that's kind of how I wanted to do it. When, when you weren't present, um, I was trying to build. I did it in a way to me that felt hopefully felt organic to you. And, um, and then, and then when the time came where, um, I had actually an opportunity to double the business and we had gone, I had actually gone through a world series. Um, that was phenomenal. And as you know, that was a big deal for me, but it happened to be around the same time you got married. And, um, so I had this really big decision to make, do I double the business or do I walk away? And that was December in 2019. And the crazy thing was the Lord really told me it was time to walk away. Everything, any business person would have looked at me and said I was crazy. They all did, as a matter of fact. They all said, why would you walk away at this moment? This is the best, like it has grown to where you've been waiting for. But I knew it was time to walk away. And then I sold the business and then um, the coronavirus hit. So I really, this really cemented for me even like more. Like baseball stopped for a year, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what really cemented to me about that things are in phases. And when it feels like it needs to be a phase that we have to either step into or move away from, we really have to listen to that because there's something that might be around the corner we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the endless pursuit of more can sometimes put us into tricky situations if we don't listen to that. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know what's around. What We don't know what's in store, but God does know everything. So we just have to say, okay, for whatever reason, it was put on my heart at the height of where it was, which was crazy. But I, you know, I said, no, I, this isn't the thing. I have to be obedient. And let me tell you, it was the right decision. It's been the right decision. And it's blessed other people, you know, which is what I want. So, you know, it's kind of, um, it's, that's where I mean, like, it's not only stages, life is in stages, but it's also really listening to what stage you're in and really understanding that, you know, listen, are you listening to your own gut? Are you just doing what the world's telling you to do? I mean, what's in your gut is there for a reason, you know? Yeah. I mean, that story, it just always resonates with me. And I know we had many conversations about it privately, but I even share, I can share here publicly. Like I I remember a few years ago when I felt like when Soul Scripts, the first, you know, I opened it as a college student and it kind of just exploded. And I was like, wow, this is so fun. We and then I started to feel really overwhelmed by the whole thing. And ironically, when it was it was at its height in terms of popularity and just how many people were purchasing different items and like loving it, I felt unsettled about it. I And Mm -hmm. I couldn't even put my finger completely on why. But we had many conversations about that where I was like, I just feel like I need to take a break from this or close it or. It's just not feeling in alignment with what I need to do, but I don't even really know what I need to do. So I need to figure that out, you know? And um, so yeah. I, ch- I chose to make kind of a seemingly backwards decision to close it. And I didn't know mm-hmm. for how long. I didn't know if I would ever open it again. I just knew I needed to create that space and take a step back. And little did I know what was around the corner that next year, I was about to go through some of the hardest loss of my life. There was mm-hmm. no way I could have led in the way that I was trying to lead before that, you know, I, I 
was looking for that clarity. And the clarity actually came through a lot of adversity. And it gave what that could have been a lot of focus and purpose and direction. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have seen that or have been able to apply that if I was so in the middle of just trying to force it to keep working, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me that, you know, you've shared those stories with me before and it didn't really even solidify why that was so important until I found myself in a similar situation. And so... Well, and and God speaks to it. Like God speaks to us ahead of time. I really think he speaks to us ahead of time. And it's up to us whether we want to like really pay attention to that or not. You did and you did. And then you so it's better than ever you know and exactly yeah yeah you know I wanted to share this conversation a little bit because I think there's so many women who are listening and who are in this community who you know are now in their 20s and 30s and in these pivotal crucial years and there we have women of all ages but I know that's a large part of this listener base are women who are in their early adult to you know 30 early adult years to their 30s and early 40s and so many are in those formative years of establishing careers and building houses and families and relationships and feeling that, I think, pressure on a whole new level now because you can open your phone and see everything that everyone else seems to be doing. And all of this messaging that says like, you go girl, you've got this, you know, you can do it all almost. And it's almost like, yeah. do we even really want that? Like, is like, and I think what's interesting is I, I'm. It's ironic because you and I had so many conversations about this the first two or so years that I was married, and I was like, you know, just pursuing the next big goal. And I still have big mm-hmm. goals. I will always be an ambitious person. I'm not ashamed of that. We've had many conversations mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where I think whether it's something really hard in your life that knocks you down, or becoming a mom, or both, or you know, mm-hmm. something sometimes stops you and makes you ask like, wait, is what I'm pursuing what I actually care about? Like, is that actually yeah. the top priority in this season of my life? It may be something I care about in the big picture, but is it the thing that I need to be doing this minute? And I remember some of the conversations that you and I have had, you made the comment of like, hey, like you can scale massive businesses in your 50s and 60s and all that, but you have a lim- more limited window when it comes to having a family. So if that is a priority for you, again, it varies for each person. But if that is, like, keep that in mind, knowing there are certain things you can do in other phases of life that you can't do as much in this phase of life. And so, uh, right, I know, would say, and if I can interrupt for a minute, I would say from my mid 40s, mm-hmm. well, actually, I didn't start in baseball. I thought about this. I didn't start in baseball until I was 39. Okay. So I call it kind of like my, my, that was really kind of my second career or whatever. I didn't, I wouldn't even say I had a really big career before, but 39 is when I started. And I think about that. And I had so much fun in my 40s with it because I felt at peace knowing that I had kind of focused on something else first, even though not everybody can do that. I know that, but, or wants to do that. It's not, I'm just saying that personally, it's a, it's a lot for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it doesn't all have to happen in your twenties and thirties. Your forties can be like amazing too. So, um, and fifties, I mean, you know, it seems probably so far away and sometimes we're just so worried about the today. Like I know, but I've got to pay my mortgage and I've got to do pay this bill and I have to do this and that. And that's true. But, you know, just remember that life is long and there are many other, um, seasons that, and different things. Like one of the things that I think really made me better in baseball was that I had already taken the mom, you know, I'd already put my heart and soul in being a mom because then I could take that and transfer it into what I was doing. So everything we do is transferable, whether we know it is or not. And when you do it well, whatever it is you're doing, it usually transfers into something else. And we can make adjustments into into how we're doing it so that it fits what we're doing, but we still have those transferable skills. And I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, even just what you were describing, it's like the first, what, what was it like? Maybe your early to mid twenties, you were working in the engineering field. And then at the, your late twenties, you became a mom and through your thirties, you basically focused on that with a few side gigs. Mm-hmm. And then in your forties is when you really built this big business. And now in your fifties, mid fifties is when you sold it. And now you're focusing on writing. And I haven't even like gotten into that, which I do want to talk about, but it's like, you guys listen, like there's so many different phases to this where, you know, she did corporate for a little while. Then she focused on, you know, maybe some small side hustles here and there where she could, but mostly focused on family for that window of time and then built the big business and now is doing the publishing. I think right now in our world and this like cultural moment that we're in, there's this undertone or this underlying message that's like, you have to find your passion, build a big business, write best-selling books, become a rock star and manage to have babies all at the same time. <laughs> it's like uh, it's so awful. much pressure. And I mean, I have felt yeah. that. And I think a lot of women feel that subtly one way or the other. And if they're focusing on kids, they feel like, gosh, all I'm doing is being a mom. Or if they're having a career and they're in their 20s or whatever, and they're like, you know, I don't even know what my next step looks like person, you know, when it comes to my relationships mm-hmm. and my family, because I haven't found the right guy yet. And I feel like I'm like mm-hmm. for time. It's like, you know, maybe for you, you'll work through your 20s and meet and build your meet your guy and build your family in your 30s. But like, just remembering that there's decades and there's opportunity. And I think it's so easy to feel like you've got to do it all before a certain age. And then it's like, what do you do with the rest of your life? Sit around and eat bonbons? Like you're going to want to do stuff, you know? And (laughs) even you said, you're like, I'd be so bored if I wasn't doing anything. And I think that's important to remember is there's going to be times where maybe you're an empty nester or you know, when your kids are in high school or before you meet your kids, those are, or before you have your kids or even alongside having kids, but in a way that really works for you and not feeling like you have to do it all at one time. So, right. And, and, you know, sometimes I listen to these business, I'm, I'm, I work with business groups and I listen and there's so many people that are talking about marketing and selling and online, you know, this and that. And I, and I'm looking and, you know, and content creation and, and all these different things. And I'm listening and all I hear is the climb. I, I imagine them in my, like they're up this mountain, they're scaling this mountain and they're, every time they're talking, it's like, they're taking another step to climb the mountain and they're talking constantly about the climb. Mm-hmm. But, but I want to say, okay, what happens when you get there? Mm-hmm. Well, now you're at the top of the mountain. Okay, mm-hmm. so so what's, you know, now what? And what happens if that's at 30? Or or maybe, you know, what when you look behind, what do you see? I mean, it, it, it is really not necessary to climb. You know, it's, we're all about the climb. I And having actually made that climb myself and got to that peak and actually sold the business and, and looked back and I went, oh. Okay, I'm really glad I didn't rush to this because mm-hmm. I think it was really good that I did this slowly, a little bit more slowly. Letting yourself camp out along the hike. <laughs> yeah, and enjoying yeah. the flowers and enjoying the, the, you know, the things that were there on the hike. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just all about, okay. you know, the next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just think that. to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, keep going. I'm going to replay this in my brain. Um, no, it's true. I mean, it's even like, and it's not that you aren't always growing. It doesn't mean that you just right. go com- to complacency. And I no, think that's what a lot of people are afraid yeah. of. Like if I just, if I just don't care about the next thing, does that mean I'm complacent? And I think that I've had to really work through this a lot personally, at least. And there's a big difference between complacency and contentment. And learning like, okay, complacency means I don't have, you know, any intentionality in my life and I'm just kind of going into autopilot and living in my comfort zones and never aiming for growth. Whereas I think contentment is saying, no, I'm still focused on what's possible. I'm still keeping my mind open to opportunities. I'm still, 
you know, but I'm operating at a pace that feels sustainable to me. And I'm choosing to yes. pitch a tent occasionally and take a break yes. and hike. And, and I'm in my, tw- I'm, a, I'm 27. And this is where I'm going to take a camp for a second. I'm going to be 27 instead of feeling like I have to be 57 or 80. Exactly. Whatever, you know, and I think we tend to try to be all things to all people at all times. And that's where it never stops. Well, and I think that's the messaging that is happening. You and I have talked about this too. I think that's kind of the messaging whenever you open Instagram or whenever you open, you know, any app, you're kind of looking around and you're going, okay, you know, what's the next step? What's the next step? And, oh, and, and you can, we're comparing by what we're seeing, but there's so many people who are not on Instagram. You got to look at this way. The ones that you never will see are probably the ones that are hiking and having it like a really nice coffee with, you know, and then they're still camping, you know, they're still climbing, but in a different way. So there's oodles and oodles of people that you don't see that are actually, you know, it might be more, that pace might be more what you're looking for. And you just don't know it because they're not doing it yeah. or they're not doing it the same way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that visual is really helpful to think about. And kind of with that in mind too, like as we are progressing through life, whether you think of that as climbing a mountain or whatever that looks like in your mind, you know, and we're kind of passing through these different phases. Some phases may last six months, some may last 10 years, you know, and there's these different phases in our careers, in our personal lives. And a lot of times those kind of mesh together. But Mm -hmm. the the root of that or the, I guess the underlying reality is that because our life is in phases and because we're always kind of shifting from one thing to another and trying to find that right balance and navigate change, whether that's, oh, I was pursuing this big career and then I just went through a massive loss and that totally changed my perspective or, mm-hmm. oh, I just had a baby and now this is suddenly my whole world. And whatever mm-hmm. that looks like, you're, we're constantly navigating changes as we are passing through these different phases in life, regardless of how long they, they last or in our careers. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer? Upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. I think it's so interesting because as we're having this conversation, the phase that you've now like stepped into after selling your business is now you're writing the book that Ever since I was a kid, I remember you saying you wanted to write a book. Like it's, I remember feeling guilty. You were when my, I first, what? No, you're my, you're my hero. You wrote it. You wrote that book. I'm so proud of I you. I know, but I, I remember like, the so first time that I wrote that. the book. I was like, oh, this was mom's dream, and I'm doing it first. No, it was wonderful. It's been wonderful. But, I'm oh my gosh, that was so exciting. It, it was, but I just, I just know that that's been a lifelong dream of yours, and it's just. I, I, the reason I say it that wasn't is because my phase, though. It, it wasn't, wasn't my phase. It wasn't, it wasn't your phase. phase. Exactly. But, Good. you know, I, I just find that interesting because you're now in your 50s, you know, kids grown up, married, you know, off having their own families and everything. And now you're sitting down and writing the book that you've always wanted to yeah. write, but you didn't force yourself to write it when you were 30 because that wasn't the time you had the opportunity. The opportunity hadn't come to you. You didn't have the message yet. Some of us have that earlier. Regardless, yep. I want to talk about the book a little bit because this is really cool. It's been fun to get to kind of co-write together. And I think mm-hmm. it's so applicable to what we're talking about in the fact that life comes in phases. We have to navigate these changes, these seasons that we walk through. And I know that a big part of the message is about making adjustments in a way that helps you really navigate change and helps you navigate these different seasons or challenges that life throws your way. So can you share from your perspective what the book is about and what inspired you to even start writing this book to begin with? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you're exactly right when you say, you know, life is in phases, but also change is not a straight line and learning and growing is not a straight line and skill development is not a straight line. All of these things that we think in our minds, okay, if I just do this and then this, this is a straight line, but it's actually not a straight line. It's stair steps all the time. And, you know, with teaching um, hundreds and hundreds of international baseball players, you know, I, I saw the frustration and the you know, just the fear and anxiety when, when they failed or when they didn't get to where they were wanting to be. And, and they didn't have a lot of time. They really didn't like with us, we do have time, but, and, and I've always never felt rushed, but in the world of professional baseball, they only have like four to six years to make it to the big leagues. And these guys, especially the international players, they just did not have, they just did not have like a lot of options beyond baseball. So 
um, it was, it meant a lot to them. So I really wanted to help them succeed. And so I thought, okay, if you were on a faster timeline, if you had to, if you had to succeed faster, even though I'm not a big, you know, I know it's not good for everybody, but if you had to, what could you, what could we do that would still bring in this calm and this peace of not having to do it quickly, but at the same time doing it quickly. Mm-hmm. So I came up with this, um, I just started working through some, some different theories and methods and actually came up with a test that helped me see how people actually made adjustments. Cause I thought, well, if I can see that first, that will help me understand how to make it go faster. And so make adjustments like when they fail or when something doesn't go according to plan or when like, yes, there's a curveball for, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's very spot on. Yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I think that's the reason I ask about it too, is because I feel like, and every time you had talked about like why adjustment's so important, like the more that you were starting to dig into this, I'd love if you can share the story too as to how this even like kind of came up for you. But I, at first I just remember thinking like, yeah, that's a word we use all the time. Like what's the big deal? You have to make adjustments. I didn't even realize that there was like a more intentional and strategic way you can actually go about it so that it's truly effective rather than just trying to force something to work out. And I don't think that's something we think about a lot, but could you share why, why the word adjustment is even something that you decided to write an entire literal like user manual on for someone who's navigating change and uncertainty and curveballs in their life. Yeah, because it had absolutely no meaning for me when I, it was my very first spring training. And I'm, a, I'm in, you know, I was invited to come, had no idea what I was walking into. Talk about testosterone. Whew. I mean, <laughs> I, I walked into this environment, only woman there. And all these guys are in, you know, baseball uniforms and you hear like bats cracking. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, what am I doing with my hands? Should yeah. I put them in my pockets? I didn't know. It's just such a crazy environment. But this guy came up to me, he looked a little older than the baseball players. And he said, Hey, how are you? Introduced himself. And he said, um, with, you know, I, I hear you're doing really good things for our players. I really appreciate it. And I said, Oh, thank you. What's, you know, what's your name? And he said, my name is Dave Hansen. And I was like, that didn't ring a bell because I didn't really know baseball. I didn't know. I didn't know anybody, you know, professionally. And I said, Oh, nice to meet you, Dave. Did you play? And he, of course he happened to be a, like a major league baseball player, which I didn't know. He was and like a big deal. And you're like, cool. Yeah, he was a big deal. You. And I had no, <laughs> I had no idea. literally something I would do. <laughs> oh, I was so dumb. But anyway, he was like, um, Oh yeah, you know I played in the big leagues for whatever many years, ten years, blah blah. And now I'm coaching, and I'm like, oh, good for you. That's wonderful. And I said, so, so you know, since you played and you know baseball so well, what would you say? What's the biggest thing you've learned from baseball? And I expected him to say, you know, I even talk about this in my book. I expected him to say, you know, oh, the travel or the media or all these really neat press, you know, something glamorous. And instead, he said, um, it's about patience and adjustments. That's what I've learned. It's about patience and adjustments. And I thought to myself wow, I never would have thought you were going to say that. But then I thought, this guy has played professionally for so many years and it's really hard to get to that level. And this is what he's telling me. So I made note of that. And then year after year, when I'd go to spring training or I'd be around players, I'd be around coaching staffs or or be around scouting, everybody used the word adjustments. Finally, I was like, okay, there's something to this word that I'm not getting. Why is this such an important word? It's determining success or failure. And that's how they used it. They said, I was sitting in, 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 in development rooms where we were breaking down every single player and they would say, oh, does he make good adjustments or not? Oh, he doesn't make good adjustments. Oh, he makes great adjustments. And I was like, what are they talking about? I know it means like he moves his his leg right or he moves his, you know, he can swing better. But it's really what it talked about was when they fail, 
or when they have changed, how can they re what modification? Yes, what modification can they make in order to get back to to doing something better? To to go in there and really crush it. And that was uh, the journey. It took me on a journey to figure out what exactly, why do some people make adjustments better than others? What is the magic formula to it? And why does it matter? And that's really what, what this book is about. It's basically years of research, traveling in the draft, teaching players, because everybody kind of needs to know. That was how I felt. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how you've been able to take something that you learn in a very focused environment, like in the sports world, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you might at first glance think, oh, that doesn't really apply. But then you've been able to take this concept, I think that you've really dug into and make it apply to how can that actually how can learning how to do this well, and understanding how we naturally respond. It's I think it's almost like our response to things like do we respond well? um, Mm -hmm. Or do we not? And then how can we change that or improve that so that we can respond well when life throws us a curveball when something doesn't go according to plan? When we don't perform the way we thought we would, when there's a massive change in our life and it's requiring us to adapt, like, oh my gosh, this massive thing just changed in my life and it's affecting my professional life and my social life and all of these things, Mm -hmm. my relationships. And you've written it from that way. And as I was reading it, I just remember thinking like, everyone needs to know this. It's not just, you know, boys (laughs) on a baseball field. And so I would love if you can share, there's so many technical aspects of it that I know you dig into in the book that really dig into helping us understand the nitty gritty of how this applies. But just from like a top level, for someone who's listening who might be kind of intrigued by this, can you share why adjustment or how knowing how to adjust well and how you respond to certain things and how you can improve how you respond and adjust and make pivots or uh, adjustments so that you can respond better and and navigate change and uncertainty and certain things like that in our life as our life progresses and changes through these phases? How does that apply to things like relationship or mother relationships or motherhood? Like, you had given me a really good example when we were talking about marriage, when you talked about internal timing. Can you dig into how just I would love to dig into like one example as to how this applies outside of baseball and into like our personal lives as women who are getting married or having kids or trying to navigate careers in all of these life phases. How does this apply to relationships, especially if you find yourself, whether that's you and your family or you and your spouse in an uncertain season, like navigating a job loss or a job change? Yeah, I mean, I think if you know how you make adjustments, it's like putting gas in your car when your car is stuck. Because when we when we have um, a place where we're stuck, whether it's we're having a difference of opinion with our spouse or our child isn't getting something that they need to get, or you know something at work is happening, we kind of we kind of get to this place in the road and we just kind of stop and run out of gas. We're like, okay, now what do I do? I don't know what to do. I've tried this. I've tried that. Is this, and it's not really like changing approach and it can be, but it's more about how, how long do you sit in that car with no gas and how long? So let's use that in terms of like our spouses, if we're married and you just get in a fight, for example, and, or a disagreement, (laughs) as I like to say, Um, then, you know, how long are you sitting in that? How long are you sitting angry? Or how long is he sitting angry? And what are you doing to move that forward? Um, So maybe his timing is very quick. He's a very quick, he likes to handle things quick. He likes to make decisions quick and he likes to move things quickly. But your timing might be very slow. And you like to say, but I need to think about all the different options. I want to think through how we can make our, you know, our marriage different and better. And so suddenly you have a, 
you might be agreement on everything else, but suddenly your timing is clashing. Mm-hmm. Every what, I, what we found out in testing thousands and thousands of people is that they're basically every adjustment comes down to about five different things. The first thing is belief. Do you believe that you can make this adjustment? Do you believe in the adjustment is worth making? Um, so there's different things around belief, but that's one. The second one is timing. And we're talking about internal timing because everyone has an internal clock. Yes. So you did the most remote. nerdy but interesting thing to me one time. Can I tell them this? What? About how oh, you sir? checked my timing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was so nerdy. It was, but it was interesting. Where So mom took a stopwatch. I think it was a stopwatch. And she basically said, yes. And she said, count to four and tell me when you get there. And so I, in my head, like in oh, my head, I had to do it. And I had to, yeah, it was, it was a stopwatch. Yeah. And so I had to count to four in my head. And then I said, done. And she said, that was only 2.5 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, so what that told you was what? What did that tell you? Well, it tells me how fast or slow you get to actually for. And so you have a rhythm in your head. Everybody does. It's it's based on our central nervous system and some other nerdy stuff. But basically, the bottom line is that you have a timing that we all perceive time different before we were before clocks were ever made. We all kind of had our own internal timing and our own rhythm. And so some people perceive time faster and some people perceive time slower. And that's how they think and act and create the world around them. Yep. Yep. So if you have a faster time and your husband has a slower time or vice versa, then there's that creates a little bit of frustration can. But anyway, so timing is the second one. The third one is um, strategic actions. So if someone says, hey, here's an action list of three things you can do to whatever it is to have a better home or to whatever it is, make your dog um, listen to you better, then you are going to either approach that from a more aggressive standpoint or not. So there's different ways, even though you have the action list, how do you handle that? How is, what's your strategy toward it? The fourth one is called um, information synthesis. So it's just a fancy way of saying, how do you look around and pick up information in your environment and then figure out what's important and what isn't. And the last one is knowledge. So you might have all of, you might be really in tune with everything else, but you might need to go learn something a little bit in order to do the rest. So So you um, gave a really good example with gardening for me, like when it came to like, oh, I, I can see that there's a problem and you went through these stages or these, these elements, but if you don't have the knowledge of what you need to do, you're lacking that to be able to make the adjustment or respond to the problem you see in your plants or in your garden. Can you explain mm-hmm. that really briefly? Yeah. So one example of adjustment is let's say you make a garden and it's not growing well. Your cucumbers are turning brown. <laughs> okay. So you say, okay, um, I believe that I can fix this problem. So your belief is right. Okay. I'm going to fix it fairly quickly. So your timing is quick. Um, okay. I'm going to I have the desire, the strategic action. I'm going to go make this happen. I'm going to go get what needs to be done. Maybe it's water. Maybe it's some kind of nitrogen or whatever it is to fix it. So you're taking more of like an aggressive, offensive approach. Um, you've able, you've been able to information synthesis. You've been able to look around and go, okay, the soil looks okay. The all the other plants are growing. It's just this one. So you're, you're able to look around and say, it's definitely this thing. But now you might be lacking the knowledge. So you don't know what makes cucumber plants turn brown. So you might have to go and do a little bit of research or go to a, you know, go to the internet or go to a home and garden center. That would be like your strategic actions, right? That would be your knowledge. You would need, it could tie into your, you're going to go get the knowledge, but it could also tie into some of your strategic actions, of course. But that's a piece that you're missing in order to make that adjustment well. So once you've learned that, then you can go in and actually make the adjustment. And then that, that little cucumber plant will flourish. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so now I love that little garden example because it's just so simple and easy to understand. But can we, let's take that back then to how this concept, now that we have those five elements and a little bit more context around it and how those kind of work together, can we go back to the conversation briefly about how, you know, knowing how you would make adjustments and being able to adjust well and why that even matters in our everyday life, such as for our relationships, like in a, in a marital conflict or issue that it might arise in your household, like why is this helpful to know? I know you and I in the past have talked about like an example of if you have a financial conflict come up because one of you just suddenly lost a job um, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to solve that solution and you notice that you're solving it differently. Let's get back into the conversation about timing and why that could matter in this situation. Okay. So yeah, that's a good example. So for example, let's say um, that, let's say you lost your job and your husband didn't, for example, or I'm sorry, the other way around, let's say your husband lost his job because he has a quicker timing. And let's say that, that, you know, you're working and you have a slower timing. Now let's say that your husband says, okay, I need to go right now and I'm going to go apply or I'm just going to go call somebody and I'm going to try and get, get a job right away. And your reaction or your stance might be, yeah, but let's wait. Let's look for the right job. Let's look for a job that might even pay you better. This might be an opportunity. Let's look at this a little yeah, let's try and find something that makes more sense for the long term. But he just wants to get it done and get started right now. So that could create a conflict because his timing might be, it's, it's very different from yours. So the way he wants to adjust to this um, uncertainty or change in life is that he wants to immediately solve it. Whereas yours may be, okay, we do have a, we do have a timeline that we need this in, but we don't have to do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So now, knowing this, you have to come up with a plan together that takes his timing into account and your timing into account. So maybe yours has to speed up a little bit and his has to slow down just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that is really hard when you're working as a married couple Mm -hmm. because you always want to operate from what's most comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. But it's not always possible. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, it's almost like, would you... And correct me if I'm wrong, because you're obviously the expert at this topic. But would you say that having an awareness is like the most critical piece, like knowing how you do these different things, like learning what actually goes into them and then knowing, okay, how, how, what is my timing like? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, how, what beliefs do I hold? And how is, how could that be affecting the way that I'm navigating conflict in my, in my marriage or in my motherhood or in my, in my health journey or in my, you know, whatever fill in the blank. Does it really, it sounds to me, every time we've talked about this, it sounds to me like it really starts, it's almost like, I don't like to make the comparison because it's not the same thing, but I just find it interesting how so many of us are like, ooh, I want to know what Enneagram number I am. But it's like, that's cool. That tells you something about your personality and maybe why you do certain things the way you do. But I think this kind of awareness helps you understand how to navigate how you and your personality type or your natural like inclinations actually navigate change, conflict, mm-hmm. and Um, uncertainty, right. Mm -hmm. So that you can actually solve problems in your life, not just think, oh, well, that's just the way I am. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I could be wrong, but that's kind of how I think of everything that you're teaching in this book and that you've really researched and and discovered. I love the way you put that. That's so true. I mean, honestly, there is um, a lot of, a lot of like awareness is really important. And a lot, there are a lot of tests out there already, but we just don't talk about failure as a, as really as a culture in general. It's like, I call it the F word, you know, you can't really talk about failure and even especially in sports. Oh, wow. You can't, I mean, you don't say that. And that's why really they use the word adjustment even more so because that's how we kind of get around the ugly word of failure, but we all will have these points in our lives that stop us. And maybe they're not all in out failures, but they're stopping points. And so 
how do we, yeah, the, the you awareness. adjust your career, you adjust what you're doing in your parenting yes. to better fit what your career's demands are or vice versa. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know if you remember, but I did test you a long time ago. You came out as a maverick. And what's very interesting is. Wait, wait, wait. You don't really a maverick. I know what that is. But for everybody listening, explain. Okay. You have these cool <laughs> names for these adjustment types, right? Yeah, there's seven names because. Can you guys um, see where I get my creative nerdiness now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> oh, well, there's, yeah, because there are, okay, so we came up after testing thousands and thousands of people, we realized that there are seven basic patterns. Now, there are nuances to every pattern. So I don't want to say, okay, this is it. And this is all there is. No, there isn't. But there was basically seven. And um, we gave them baseball names because, you know, it was just fun. And uh, yeah, it's fun. And, and everybody can understand that, at least in the baseball world. So a maverick is a kind of a person who has a pattern that displays that they kind of like to do things in their own time and in their own way. That's not a bad thing. Not as there's not a single pattern that's bad. It just means that we have ways we adjust. So when you run into failure, when you run into change or uncertainty, your maverick's going to kick in and you're going to kind of do things the way that you feel that you can succeed through that failure or change or uncertainty. Um, So that's kind of where the names come in. And that's really all this. That's what this, adjustment test did. We weren't looking at any other parts of the personality. We weren't looking at love interest or anything like that. It was really more about, hey, we're all going to fail at some point. We're all going to have uncertainty at some point. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially now because we just went through a big pandemic and we don't know what kind of other change is coming. We're in a world of huge change and seismic shifts right now. And so how are we going to prepare ourselves for this without anxiety? Because you know what? If you don't know what you are, it can create a lot of anxiety for you. And that's really not necessary. So Again, going back to this idea of life is in phases and timing is important. Um, We don't have to feel pressure. We can be more at peace when we know that this is how we're going to adjust to things. And we know the five elements of adjustment. If we get to a place in life where we're not really sure how to get out of something, we can go into one of our five elements and tweak that element or focus on that element. And then that helps us get out of where we are. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just so interesting. And I really would encourage you to check out this book because it's taken from obviously the baseball perspective, but then applied to so many things in life. And mom just shares if you really honestly need some good like mom advice and also some <laughs> good like a roadmap to navigating so much uncertainty that I think we can feel, especially in our 20s and 30s, but all, really any phase of life when we're transitioning from, okay, I was working full time to now I'm not working full time and I'm focusing on family or oh, my kids left and now I'm, you know, an empty nester or, oh my gosh, life just threw me this big curveball and I'm, you know, navigating this unexpected challenge or not only in our own lives of all the changes we navigate on a daily basis, but then there's all these other factors that have really hit our world more recently um, Mm -hmm. that just add this whole other component to navigating change and dealing with the stress and the uncertainty that can come with that and just knowing a little bit more about yourself and how you can navigate these things peacefully makes a huge difference. So mom, I would love if you can just share what's the book called, where can they find it and where can they learn more from you? Okay. Um, well, it is called Million Dollar Adjustments and um, the subtitle is The Power of Small Change on Performance, Productivity and Peace. So 
even though it kind of has a baseball related title, there's a lot of other things in there that's not just baseball. So I talk a little bit about job and uh, parenting and just different things. It's not just all baseball. So I want to make that clear. But I know it's going to be on Amazon.com. So it can be found on Amazon.com. And I, it's probably going to be on MajorLeagueConsulting.com as well. So, um, and then, and maybe there's an audit in there too, right? If they want to try to learn more about their adjustment type. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. There's something inside of the book in chapter four called the adjustment awareness audit. So you can actually take this. It's kind of a quiz, but it's really more of an audit. And it tells you what your tendencies are compared to all the people that we've tested. And so you can just find out if you're a maverick or a steady Eddie or what, what you, one of, you know, how do you fall within those seven pattern types? So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that it gives you kind of a starting point so that you can start applying this in your relationships or in your career or home or everything. So I love that. Mom, thanks so much for everything that you've shared and just not only sharing your own experience, but a lot of the research you've done too, and how this can really apply to so much in life and give us a little bit of a, a little bit more of a guideline, especially as we navigate just changes and unmet expectations and, you know, phases of life and all the things that are thrown our way as we do life in this very fast paced, ever changing world. It really just gives me a lot of peace every time we get to talk. And I hope that for anyone listening, I believe I trust that for everyone listening, it gives that same like reassurance and peace. Like, okay, I can do this and that it is okay if I don't do everything at once and I can navigate Mm -hmm. change well, and I can learn how to do that and feel empowered to do that. Well, you know, you're so right, honey. And I, I, we're all so wonderfully made and we all have timing on things kind of already predetermined for us, but it's, we're, we're made to adjust. We were never made to be constant. And uh, from the time we take our first breath, you know, to the time we take our last life is a constant state of adjustment um, and how we are adjusting to the world that we're in and what we're supposed to do while we're here. So um, I think that it's just something that we just kind of do, but why couldn't we do it better? You know, uh, why couldn't we do a little bit more effectively? And that was really my goal. So I love, yeah, I really love talking with you always. Um, and I hope this has blessed your, your wonderful audience in some way, but um, it's really blessed me just having this conversation with you. So same, <laughs> thank you. Same. I always, I always appreciate a good mom <laughs> talk. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. 
so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.